You are listening to This Week in Guitar, where we discuss the latest and greatest guitar videos on the net. Brought to you by GuitarApp.com. Hey Brian, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I just uh, ate a banana. Feeling good. How do you eat your banana? Do you peel from the stalk or from the bottom? I don't eat that many bananas, but when I do, I always peel from the stalk. Which is what everyone does, what I used to do. And then I watched a video about monkeys and they always peel from the end of the banana and then they hold it with the stalk and it's just changed my life. Kind of like an ice cream. Exactly. <laughs> so what have you been looking at this week? There's a great video from Mary Spender called The Music the FBI Tried to Stop. It's all about the background to parental advisory stickers on CDs. And I was aware of like bits and pieces of the story, but never had the full picture until now. In 1983, like a group of parents formed a committee to try and gain control over what music their children could access. And uh, they were particularly scared of references to sex, violence, drugs, alcohol, that kind of stuff. And they compiled a list of 15 songs called the Filthy 15 to showcase their concerns. You probably know loads about this because of Frank Zappa, do you? I totally do. And I was waiting to make what has now become known as the obligatory Frank Zappa reference. Exactly. I'm setting you up. Uh, but the playlist is like songs from Prince, uh, Motley Crue, ACDC, Madonna, Cindy Lauper. Twisted Sister. Twisted Sister, of course, yeah. The funniest one I remember from the Senate hearings was uh, John Denver. He even spoke in the Senate hearings um, along with Dee Schneider and Frank Zappa, but continue. Yeah, so the group of parents were no ordinary people. They were actually like the wives of loads of politicians, Congress members. Uh, they went on to be known as the Washington Wives. I think Frank Zappa might have coined that, did he? I would say he probably did. They were spearheaded by Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife. And they were pressuring mm -hmm. Congress and record labels to warn parents of the explicit nature of lyrics. And uh, a Senate hearing was called, and I knew about this, like, but I, I didn't know the setup. Uh, a Senate hearing was called uh, Dee Snyder, John Denver, Frank Zappa uh, were called in to represent the voice of the musician, I suppose. And uh, I think Zappa saw it as like a slippery slope and a doorway to censorship legislation. John Denver just thought the whole thing was like an exercise in futility. He had a great quote. He said, that which is denied becomes that which is most desired, and that which is hidden becomes that which is most interesting, which is exactly what ended up happening. Like we all took home our parental advisory CDs and hid them under our beds. Well, the precious uh, children like me did anyway. Do you remember your first ever parental advisory album? I do. I, I bought an Eminem album. Oh, wow. That's showing my age right there. My first parental advisory album was Use Your Illusion 2 from Guns N' Roses. And I still remember the song on it uh, that caused so much controversy, which was Get In The Ring. But do you know what they did on the Use Your Illusion album cover? They were forced to put the parental advisory sticker on it. And they ended up putting another sticker on it uh, themselves saying, this album contains lyrics some people may find offensive. They can feck off and buy something from the New Age section. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, classic. the star of the show is definitely Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. Like He came into the hearing with a massive hair, tight jeans, 
vest and snakeskin boots. Everyone's sniggering at him. And he totally knew that Congress had completely underestimated him. And he sits down and he's talking about it later. I, I read it, <clears throat> read another interview with him. He purposefully like put his speech in his back pocket, all crumpled up, and taking it out like a little schoolboy in front of the in front of all the people in their suits. And then he starts talking, and he's completely eloquent. He's a married Christian. He's talking about the fact he doesn't do any drugs or or booze, and he tears them apart point by point. I think uh, Tipper Gore was on record, like I think she had explained the lyrics to one of his songs were about rape, bondage, and like sadomasochism. And then Dee Snyder just let her know it was about a, a band member's trip to the dentist and. The only rape, bondage, and sadomasochism was in her head. And he can't help if she has a dirty mind. Yeah, I remember Dee came in deliberately looking kind of underwhelming and just being so articulate. Yeah. He comes across as such a really nice guy. Frank, on the other hand, came in in a suit, but he took it very seriously as well. And I think the fact that we only have the sticker is due to those freedom fighters, really because what they really wanted was a censorship system like the movie censorship system at the time. So absolute credit to everybody involved in, in that. At one point, Walmart were demanding clean versions of all the albums for their shelves. And there was a pushback from other bands like uh, Rage Against the Machine at Lollapalooza. They refused to play. They stood on the stage for 15 minutes, like completely naked with duct tape over their mouths. But the whole thing was like born out of fear of the unknown. Ancient Greece, the fear goes back that far. Like um, there's quotes from Plato about the violence in Greek tragedies and their effects on kids and Aristotle as well. And like in the 50s, there was a, a, a this exact thing happened with comic books. There was a, a, a movement from parents to, to ban comic books and they ended up having to go through some sort of censorship uh, system for like 20 years. The comics had to be approved and then sent back to the illustrators um, to replace certain things. I think Texas banned like Bob Dylan songs because they couldn't make out what he was saying. Louis Louis by the Kingsman. Louis Louis. That was like targeted by censors because the lyrics were so unintelligible. They didn't know what, what they were talking about in the song. So they just assumed it was something negative. The FBI investigated for two years. But in reality, they were just like woefully unrehearsed. I don't think he'd finished the lyrics or something. And that's the only reason you can't really hear what they're saying about. But yeah. It's, it's thoroughly entertaining. I'd, I'd recommend watching all of T. Snyder's testimony and his back and forth with Al Gore. And uh, Frank Zappa was great as well. Yeah. Side note, uh, D. Snyder is actually on Cameo if anybody wants a happy birthday message from him. I might have to go for that myself. So just a little piece of news, less a video and more a piece of news. You mentioned Rage Against the Machine there. Uh, they are going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. They've been nominated a few times, uh, but this year they're actually going in. But controversy in the world of rock and metal because Iron Maiden were also uh, up for induction, but they didn't get the nomination despite the fact that there was a fan poll and Iron Maiden did come in the top five to be inducted and Rage Against the Machine didn't so I wonder what the fallout from this will be but do, do, do we care does anyone care about the, the Hall of Fame do bands care I don't really understand it I don't know I, I still think it's a nice little piece of pageantry year on year 
see who goes in. Who who decides on who goes in? Is there a list somewhere? The, there's a list of uh, nominees every year, and there is some panel. I'd imagine it's probably not dissimilar to the Oscars of music this year as well. Uh, Kate Bush is being nominated, or no, she's being inducted actually, not just nominated. Yeah, the ceremonies are always great with loads of people doing covers of their songs and things like that. The Led Zeppelin one was was brilliant. Heart. I remember a pretty bad one a few years ago. Um, I think it was when ACDC were getting inducted and Steven Tyler from Aerosmith came on stage and tried to do uh, You Shook Me All Night Long with them. And if I'm remembering this correctly, I think there was quite a lot of lyric fluffing, but it was always fun. I mean, they still managed to pull it back and and make it a spectacle. Of course. Segway. Segway. Um, I am a big fan of the whole world of guitar building and restoration and renovation. And it's one of my favorite categories on Guitar App. Uh, I watched a Burl's Art video this week. Have you seen any of the Burl's Art videos? The guy who builds guitars out of things you wouldn't think of building guitars out of. Is he the guy with all the tattoos? I don't know about him specifically having tattoos. No, uh, then, then it's not the guy I'm thinking of. But he's the guy, most famously, I think the video that really blew up was when he made a guitar out of pencils, little wooden colored pencils. Uh, and I would urge everybody to check out his channel. Everything is uh, a creative work of art. But this week he was building a lap steel guitar out of Radio Shack silver dollars. I think he had like a couple of hundred of these kind of collectible Radio Shack silver dollars. And he melted them down and cast them in a frame and created a lap steel guitar. So he's he's really gone beyond even wood at this stage. Yeah, you mentioned the pencil guitar. Uh, I I just knew that thumbnail has to have so many views. I just looked it up. 33 million views. There you go. That's the way to do it. Yeah, that guy's great. We actually get to see a lot of data on YouTube creators here in Guitar App and the Burl's Art channel is particularly interesting because it takes so long to make the videos. There's fewer videos on the channel than there might be on uh, some of the other creators who release weekly or monthly. And his views to number of videos ratio is higher than any other guitar related channel on YouTube. Wow. I think the, the fact that it's such a niche would help that as well. Well, funnily enough, I think there's actually a wider audience for that than you might think. Um, and that's the, the general creator builder audience. Um, so there'd be like, for example, Adam Savage from Mythbusters. He's got a really cool channel as well uh, where he just does these one day builds. And it doesn't really matter what he's building. I'm watching it. And. Burl's art, I imagine there are people who don't necessarily play guitar, but they're interested in the process and the tooling and the craft and the unique ways of doing things. Because obviously, you know, this Burl's art guy, he he had never smelted down coins before and cast metal. So I think the creator community just loves that stuff. I mean, I'm not a furniture maker, but I used to be addicted to this show on Discovery called The New Yankee Workshop, a guy called Norm Abram 
from Boston or Massachusetts somewhere. And he just used to go around looking at period furniture pieces, taking the measurements and then building replicas of them. And I just watched this stuff all day long. Is that before or after ancient aliens took over the airwaves? It, that was when, yeah, History Channel and Discovery Channel were fact-related and less uh, factortainment. What did they call that? Ed edutainment. <laughs> it's an edutainment channel now. So that was pre-Shark Week then? That was, that was pre-Shark Week yeah, yeah. and Greatest Catch. Um, I was watching a Tamo video, you know, Tamo Fujita from Japan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's one of the most prolific um, YouTubers. Like every time you go on any platform, well, anytime I go on any platform, the algorithm's showing me one of his videos first. He's a Berkeley teacher. He's been teaching there for like probably 30 years now. And he just started posting on YouTube. No dramatic setup or anything, just sticking the phone down in front of him on his lap, like playing the guitar. And uh, he's been jamming with his students and putting up videos for years. And this video is a discussion with one of his ex-students that he keeps in contact with. And uh, they're talking about a bunch of things. Um, they started off talking about being burned out on guitar while working in the guitar business, which is kind of refreshing to hear from him because if you ever go onto one of his videos, he's replying to every single comment. I just thought he was some sort of a machine, but it's nice to know he's a human being. <laughs> uh, like he's on every platform, but he hates TikTok. He's talking about how much he hates TikTok, but he just does it. The people on TikTok, I think some like really high percentage of them don't use any other platforms, like 60 plus percent. Um, so he has a presence on there. But he was just contrasting that with 30 years ago or 40 years ago when he first arrived in Boston from Japan. He had one guitar on his back, like a suitcase, pre-internet. All he knew about Boston was uh, pictures he'd seen in magazines or what he'd been told and now, like, you could walk through the streets on Google Maps. Speaking of, like, being burnt out on on music, I'd always thought my dream job would be to write music. But then when I'm burned out, I write music. Imagine, like, you're doing your dream job and you end up, like, hating what you love. Like, I think that's a real a real thing. I, I'm really curious how, how people deal with that. It's funny you should mention that because, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, Steve Albini, who produced most famously, I suppose, uh, was it the second Nirvana album in, Ut in Utero? But uh, yeah, and of course, Steve uh, has his own band, Shellac, of which I'm a fan of, and you came to see uh, mm. with me recently. Um, it's awesome. But I don't know, was it in that big open letter to the music industry he did many years ago, or was it in an interview? But I vaguely remember him saying, if he just went down that A-lister producer route, which he had the opportunity to in the 90s, he would probably get sick of the thing he loves most. He'd much prefer to kind of labor over 26 microphones around a drum kit just so as he can capture a very specific ambiance uh, and, and work with a band who is just playing the song in the room, in the moment, capturing the energy, not interrupting their creative flow, just making music the way he likes to mu make music, recording it the way he likes to record it. So I, I thought that was a kind of a, a similar analogy. Nice. Yeah, there was another question that Zach posed to Tamo. He said, uh, or he asked, are guitar players better now than they used to be with all these resources? And Tamo had a really interesting response. And he would be an authority on this. Like he's taught thousands of students in Berkeley every year for the past like 30 years. He said students now are way better technically. 
but he's not sure if they're making better music. And it totally got me thinking, what if the internet was there when I was learning guitar? I used to read books all the time when I was a kid. Uh, now I have to really make an effort to, to read a book. Like my attention span has been zapped. I used to spend hours in my bedroom playing guitar. I don't know if that would have happened. Um, and I also think learning through stumbling in the dark is, is a better way to learn. If you are curious about something and then are presented with the answer straight away, I think it's way harder to internalize something uh, than if you just are trying out things, trying out things, trial and error, trial and error for years. Like when I was a kid, I used to um, put on Tin Lizzy records and Jimi Hendrix records, and I'd have my guitar plugged in to a horrible sounding amp, I'm sure. And I'd be uh, just noodling. And I, I'd noticed that some notes would sound good over what the song was playing. And then over like the course of, a year or two, or two years noodling around, I realized that this this shape sounded good over all of these songs if you just moved it up and down. And I convinced myself that I had invented the pentatonic scale. <laughs> and uh, obviously, years later, I, I realized that that was uh, not mine to invent. But I think putting names to things way later on that you kind of figure out yourself can really like help you internalize things. Like to me, uh, I I'd kind of figured out the modes and I just had my own names for them. Like uh, Lydian was the floaty Steve Vai one. Phrygian was the Egyptian one. <laughs> Everyone comes up with the Egyptian one. The Egyptian That's one, yeah. used to say as well. The yeah, Egyptian yeah. one. And then years later, I, I got names uh, put to them and, and it was just enlightening. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. The way I learned at least sounds very similar to you. I was never really trying to perfect a performance of somebody else's riff or song. I was just fascinated with the instrument. And every time I found uh, a collection of notes that sounded like they belonged together based on music I was listening to, it was this absolute eureka moment. And again, I didn't know what they were called, um, but the, it was just that drive to keep stumbling in the dark, as you call it. And the, the good thing about stumbling in the dark is you can never be wrong. If you're kind of learning in a goal-based way, which is also useful, it leads to a problem whereby if you don't achieve the goal or if you feel like you can't get there quick enough, you tend to feel like you ought to give up. Oh, I'm not cut out for this. I, I just don't have the talent. But when you don't actually have to hit any particular goal with a passionate pursuit like playing guitar, the stumbling around in the dark bit is is the most fun part. Like, I bet there are guitar players out there who probably think they've been stumbling around in the dark for 20 years. They're they're ashamed or don't feel like they're real guitar players because they don't know the names of what they play or because they never achieved a certain goal or grade. But to me, the whole thing about playing any instrument is deriving satisfaction from it. Sitting down and, and feeling happy with the prospect of having just spent two hours noodling. You don't have to reach any level. You don't have to progress at any rate. It's it's all just about, do you enjoy having the instrument in your hand Yeah, and let your inspiration take you wherever it's going to take you? That's my philosophy on it. I completely agree. But it is interesting. I, I find that there's two types of guitar players. The guitar player who, like us, just jump straight into creating like a, I, I learned like four songs and then didn't learn another song for like 20 years. 
I just started noodling. And then there's the guitar players who just completely go into the learn learning songs mode and they just get really proficient at playing other people's songs. I think it's probably, there's probably a healthy balance in between both of those, but I'm definitely on the one end of that spectrum. Another little newsflash. Some of you who've been keeping up with the latest on YouTube may have already seen this, but there's a new CEO at Gibson, uh, Cesar Guecian, who was at the company for the last four or five years as kind of, I think he was uh, high up in brand direction and brand marketing and things like that. But JC Curley has uh, stepped down and Cesar has taken his place. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what direction Gibson goes in now. JC seems to have done a great job in resurrecting the new Gibson after uh, it had some troubles a few years ago and uh, it divested uh, a lot of the other brands it had bought up at the time. They owned Tascam, I think, at one point, and they owned Cakewalk, and they owned, uh, what else did they own? They owned a, bun a bunch of stuff. But yeah, it seems like they've just focused on guitar for the last couple of years and and uh, gotten back to what they do best. So exciting times. Let's see where, where that leads. Speaking of shifting roles, I wasn't aware that Dave Wiener was out of the Steve Vai band, were you? I wasn't. There's a video from the new guitar player that came up this week. His name's uh, Dante Fazilio. Might be pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, the video was um, my first show with Steve Vai. Brackets, I almost got fired. So I had to click on it, obviously. Oh, uh, uh, well, <laughs> why did he almost get fired? Well, firstly, like I was blown away that Dave Wiener had been out of the band. He'd probably been there playing for 30 years now. I found a video from five months back on Dave Wiener's channel where he sat down with Steve Vai to announce the news together that he was moving on. He just said like he needed to choose his own adventure and uh, just try something new. He'd, he'd put in the time and it was such a lovely way for them to wrap it up with that video. And then the great thing is Dave Wiener is the person who found his replacement. And then in the video, he introduces Dante Fazilio, he looks like a young Steve Vai. Uh, he's an ex-lawyer turned rock star. And his video, like documenting his first show uh, with Steve Vai, was, it was just a kind of a nightmare gig where everything went wrong. Like he has a, a slot in the show for his solo. Just as he hits his pedal for uh, turning on the overdrive or whatever, his whole rig went down. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve Vai had to come back on stage and like... Uh, keep the crowd entertained for like five minutes and they almost skipped his segment in the set and then he got it set up again. But I just thought it was a, a lovely way uh, to wrap up that story with Dave Weiner. They all seem like such a strong family in, in that crew and uh, I just thought it was lovely. Excellent. Can't wait to see that lineup. I'm sure they'll tour here soon. On that note, Brian, I think we'll wrap it up. So as usual, if you like this video, please hit like, subscribe. We're, we're also on Spotify and Google Podcasts and a few other places as well now, if you'd prefer to listen to us yammer on on a different platform. And until next week, when we fill you in on the crazy world of guitar yet again, see you then. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.